Welcome to the First in Ten podcast brought to you by my washer and dryer. My name is Kate Chapalo, and at long last, after 14 days of agony, I am reunited in person with my lovely co-host, Michael Clement. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing okay, Cage. I'm, I'm back in the Thunderdome here. Washer <laughs> is to our left. Everything feels right in the world. I'm, I'm finally home from final exams, yet I still have a huge paper to do right after this but we're, he's procrastinating we're writing the podcast and then we're going to do the paper but uh yeah it's, it's good to have you back michael this table and microphone has felt very lonely without my co-host in person it's nice to be able to actually look at you when i'm yelling at you with our arguments instead of 76 miles westward bound but uh how'd you enjoy your week fifth week 14 of the nfl season week 14 um you know and from a Patriots fan standpoint, I did not enjoy it, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> from a from a Browns fan standpoint, I enjoyed it, but I can understand. We'll get back to the Patriots standpoint later. Uh, a lot of other stuff interesting happened, though. I definitely think besides the Patriots getting stunned and Gronk needing to learn um, just how to do angle tackling drills like we were taught in high school, huh? Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, other than that happening to the Patriots on Thursday night, Derrick Henry had a monster game. 17 carries, 238 yards, and four touchdowns. He he was pretty much irrelevant until, like, la- I mean, since, like, last season, the Titans kind of used him, but he's, he's been kind of riding the bench most of this season. Yeah, as somebody who had him on their fantasy team for the first half of the season, I can tell you he's been irrelevant. I'm pretty sure I was actually reading a statistics that the yards he made this, this game alone contributed to 80% of his yards this whole season yeah that's just how poorly he's done all season i mean listen i'm glad he had a breakout game he was only roughly 60 yards shy from adrian peterson's single game record which is crazy nonetheless but besides you know derrick henry's breakout game there's also some other bigger news that happened the vikings fired their offensive coordinator yesterday john Filippo. yeah john Filippo finally caught the boot um this his offense only put up seven points against the seahawks and it, that one touchdown was in garbage time. It was under two the two-minute warning. The game was over. It, it's a very weird situation because John Filippo for most of the season, has been, you know, regarded to as a potential head coaching candidate. Like, he's he's just had a very good tenure the last few years, whether in, you know, Philadelphia and also in Cleveland. So it's definitely a shock, and it begs the question on if it was really his fault that the offensive has been kind of struggling, and also if this is going to affect him getting a job next season. I don't think it will affect him getting a job next season. I mean, he's been hailed as a guy that is going to be a head coach, and that was even before this season. Him and Pat Shermer were both in talks last year, and Pat Shermer is now the head coach of the Giants. But I don't. Th- I think this just kind of is going to be like a little lull for the rest of the season for DiFilippo, and then I think like a team like the Bengals. Or maybe the Jets, if they toss Todd Bowles, will probably bring him in. I could see that. I could see that. But I guess we can uh, round out some of these headlines by, you know, what happens when you lose games, you fire coaches. But some of these other teams have started losing more than one game. The Panthers lost their fifth straight by losing to the Browns. <laughs> On contrast, the Browns have won three of their last four. Browns pl- are rolling. Browns are rolling. Uh, playoffs are in sight. I'm so excited. But this is not a Browns sports podcast. This is an NFL sports podcast. And the Panthers aren't the only ones that are streaking in the wrong direction. Steelers just lost their third straight against the then 2-10 <laughs> Raiders. Yeah, the 2-10 and 10 Raiders beat Ben Roethlisberger. And it just shows, I mean, last week I think we said that 
Ben Roethlisberger has never won a game in Oakland, and that is still, still holds, true. Still holds true. In fact, and, he never will win a game. Yeah, in Oakland. now that Oakland's getting, I mean, now that the Raiders are getting kicked out of Oakland, pretty much <laughs> after Oakland has filed a lawsuit on the Raiders in the NFL. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Big Ben's ever going to get the <laughs> get no, that win in in Oakland. Something tells me he's not, but uh, trouble is definitely brewing in Pittsburgh when you lose three straight and two of your last three games are against the Patriots and Saints. It's going to be a tough road, especially with James Conner and Ben Roethlisberger now nursing injuries. I don't know, but we'll get back into that for our preview. I was just kind of, you know, talking about some of the headlines and streaking headlines. You know who did lose their win streak, though, Michael, on the other side? The the Patriots. <laughs> well, the Patriots, yes, but the Texans. Do in part oh, two yes. uh, a little help from your buddy T.Y. Hilton over there. Yes, my grandma's cookies last week was T.Y. Hilton. He put up nine 199 yards on nine receptions so i'd say that this is a win for not only the first and ten podcast but for the colts as a whole um i think uh ty hilton is probably or you know probably we we know ty hilton is a big fan of first and ten podcast we know and and uh he kind of heard that you know grandma clement wanted to bake him up some cookies for that game and he got so excited that finally we got some good batch of cookies this week, folks, and it's only going to get better. Michael and I have finally discovered the recipe for the perfect cookies, and it showed when T.Y. Hilton helped stop the uh, Texans in their riding high nine-game win streak. The, the the Colts stopped the Texans where they began. Colts, yeah. be, Colts lost to the Texans, Texans week four, and that's where the Texans uh, starting win streak started. So, I mean, it's... It's all come full circle, just just like the NFL predicts, right? As, just as, as we predicted. Just as everyone has predicted, it's come full circle. But today for our discussion, we kind of wanted to take almost like a two-part discussion, but splice it up into two episodes. So we want to talk about the upcoming playoff pictures. And this week, we're going to focus on the NFC wildcard race. Next week, we'll focus on the AFC. So, Michael, do you want to kind of explain it more, what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so... The wild card race right now in the NFC is a lot more interesting going into this week than the AFC. So, the Seahawks and the Vikings played each other on Monday night. They were they were the sixth and fifth seed respectively, and so now that the Vikings have lost, the Seahawks are only kind of pushing their way into clinching the five seed. But the sixth seed is still open. The Panthers, the Eagles, and the Redskins are all in contention. They're all they're all at six and seven. And the Vikings only have one more win than that. So it's going to be interesting to see for the rest of the season, the last th- three games, how these four teams will perform. Because the Vikings, it's the Vikings' like playoff berth to lose at this point. At this point. But, I mean, the interesting team, too, is with the NFC is just how many more teams are technically, we're going to use the word technically here, <laughs> still in the hunt. Because you're looking at it, and you've got the Buccaneers at five and eight, the Giants at five and eight, the Lions at five and eight. I mean, the, the four and nine Falcons. The four and nine Falcons are technically still in the hunt. Granted, a lot of these teams I just named, if they lose this week, they'll be eliminated. That'll be it. But it's crazy to think that the four and nine Falcons, through some miracle, could still make the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers could run the table too. They're only a game back from the Panthers, Eagles, and Redskins. If they win what, all three games, and just by some miracle, the Panthers, Eagles, and Redskins, and Vikings all, all lose. All lose. And, uh, they, they could still run the table. And the thing is, you can't dispute Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers is great for one of those, like, he does these kind of things where he can try to run the table. Yeah, but the thing is, though, everything else on the Packers is just not good. 
It's just yeah. Aaron Rodgers right now. True. So do you think the Vikings have guaranteed the sixth seed, or do you think any of these other teams could kind of sneak their way into it? I do not think that the Vikings are guaranteed the sixth seed at all. And in, in fact, I feel like that they're going to somehow drop the ball and lose it because they have three games left. Um, Panthers, Eagles, and Redskins are still in it. I don't think the Redskins are going to get in with Josh Johnson. Well, I don't. The thing is, though, I don't think the Panthers are. No offense to the Panthers, but when you lose five straight, there's a reason. And especially the, getting slapped by Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Yeah, I mean, they it's been getting slapped week in and week out. The, the Panthers just aren't a good team this year. So I, I feel like really the toughest competition right now for the Vikings to take over that six-seed spot are the Eagles can very well win. But, you know, we've read recently as today and yesterday reports that Carson Wentz could be out for a couple weeks. So I guess the Eagles' plan to have Nick Foles ride them into the playoffs <laughs> is taking part once again, folks. It's around the same oh, year Nick Foles is boy. getting strapped up. I do not want that to happen. Also, like, I'm looking at the seedings for these playoffs in the hunt, and I really think the top teams that could sneak their way into the sixth seed would be the Eagles, the Packers, miraculously, and as crazy as this sounds, the Giants. The Giants are still in it. The, the Giants are still. The Giants have to be perfect from here on out, though, and they got to pray like someone. They, a lot up. has to happen because if the Giants were to get in it, they would end it. They would be the sixteen at eight and eight, which is very uncommon for a five hundred team to make it into the playoffs, even at eight and eight. But it could happen, and I really think the Giants have a better chance than the Panthers, who have lost five straight. They have a better chance than Josh Johnson's Redskins. It's it's a big toss up, and a lot of things are going to be happening between this week and next week and like we said i'm sure by next podcast there's going to be a lot of these teams that will be eliminated from this hunt but there's just so much going on still with three weeks left it's crazy to think about the possibilities well it's it's happened before with an in a 500 team making the playoffs i think i remember it was i think 2014 or 2015 the panthers and the falcons battled it out week 17 to become 500 and just to clinch a playoff berth it's it's crazy to think about that, but it I, I it's not likely, but it's still possible. Mm. And just just for a little perspective here, the Vikings in their last three games, they're playing at home against the Dolphins. They're going to Detroit after that, and then their last home game in Week 17 is against the Bears. So they could easily win two out of three of those games. Well, it's also interesting too because. We're kind of talking about the six seed, but the reality of it is really the the four to six seed are kind of up for grabs. The Bears more or less have that three seed locked up. It, it'll be very tough for another team to get there, especially since the Bears can win the division this week. But the Cowboys could somehow still lose the division. If the Cowboys lose out and the Eagles win out, or the Giants went out. Or the Giants went out. The Cowboys would lose the division. So the Cow. Granted, I don't think, and I don't want to speak for you, Michael. I don't think that'll happen with how the Cowboys' defense has been playing. But it's still a possibility. Like I would say, the four, five, and six seed are all very much up for grabs and can be shuffled around, and probably will be shuffled around these next few weeks. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think that the Giants will come back. I'd like to see them do it. I think that would be crazy. But just the storyline all season, it's just been a lot of disarray on offense. And they've been starting to convert for points, but I need to see more from them. Yeah, and you have to, there's just been a lot of drama going on. And I honestly, a lot of these points have been purely because of Saquon Barkley. 
he has led that team on his back. And I think if they make the playoffs by some grace of God, it's mostly in part to him because OBJ has been injured. He might not play this week. He's not really been a huge contribution or at least not as big of a contribution as Saquon Barkley has been for this team. Look, this is what I've been saying, I think, for the past two years now. The Giants can find a lot more offensive production if they just incorporate Evan Ingram into the pass game. It's I feel like it's it's definitely not that simple, but to me, I feel like it they could at least make a difference. They could at least get down the field more. That you, you saw it against when they played the 49ers on primetime football, but it, it's <laughs> on, on Monday night. And uh, the uh, it, literally, it just comes down to them incorporating the tight end. It, they, they can't put it all on OBJ or Saquon or Sterling Shepard. It, it's it's got to be, they, they got to have like a midfield option. Yeah. It's, it's got to be somebody else. And you would think with such a big bodied person like Evan Ingram, he'd do a good job. But like he's like we said, a lot of stuff has to happen for the Giants to get in. I just think they have a better chance than teams like the Panthers and Redskins. Even though the Panthers are sitting at a better record and have a better core, you might say. But the, do they? Like with losing five straight, you don't lose five straight in a row. Like they have a good offense. They they have they have Cam Newton who's doing well. They have Christian McCaffrey who's doing well. They have DJ Moore, a rookie, doing well. Curtis Samuel, who's kind of come into his own this year. But their defense just isn't able to help them out at all. Their their defense has been in disarray since Josh Norman left. Also, Cam Newton's been injured as well. So, I mean, Cam Newton isn't – he's been good, but he hasn't been 100% these past few weeks. Yeah. I mean, I vividly remember when they played the Browns this week, they had to take Cam Newton out for Tyler Henneke, I believe, is the backup, the one we discussed for a couple weeks ago. I think so. To throw a Hail Mary. They didn't even have Cam Newton out there to throw a Hail Mary. That's how little confidence they have in his shoulder right now. So it begs the question on how much he could do to really lead them to a playoff if he's not even healthy. Yeah, I I know what you mean. He's he's got to be 100% if they want to make a run. Yeah. So, Michael, I'll ask you this. Who do you think finish off as the 4, 5, and Who do you think wins the NFC East, and who do you think is the 5 and 6 seed? I think just playing it safe, the Cowboys are going to clinch the NFC East. I think they clinch it if they win this week. Mm-hmm. So it a lot will have to go wrong. They're playing the Colts this week, mm. but we'll get into that later. But I, I think Cowboys have the solid four. I think Seahawks might contend for the four, but... Well, Seahawks can't contend for the four. They're not a division leader. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> They'd so, have to be the five seed. Yeah, Seahawks are going to be the five. Mm-hmm. Um, the sixth seed... I think it's probably going to be the Vikings. I'd like this. I, I was thinking the Eagles. The Eagles were probably a shoe in until this whole thing with Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz came out. Carson Wentz's like season is in jeopardy right now. All of a sudden, so I think that like it's a lot's going to have to happen. But I think the Vikings, it, it, the ball is in their court. Mm. It's it, it. They're the ones who asked us who are going to have to screw this up. Yeah, it, I, it, it, it's a hundred percent in their control. I agree. I definitely agree. Cowboys win the division. Still, I think Seahawks get the five seed. I think realistically, it's going to be between the Vikings and Eagles. I give the Vikings the edge, only because I just think Carson Wentz being injured is a huge thing, and I also think the Vikings have a healthier team. 
The Eagles, their biggest nucleus, is it's just how unhealthy their team is. Jay Ajayi is injured. They had to have wide receivers practicing at cornerbacks. This is not the same Super Bowl winning Eagles team because of how many injuries they have. And I think because of that is why they get kept out of the playoffs. And I think the Vikings make the sixth seed. Fully agree. Fully agree. Um, so moving on a little bit here. This is, this is something that I had on my mind last night um, that I've wanted to ask you, Cage. I think a few episodes ago, we were talking about how offenses kind of dominate the NFL. Yeah. This- and that, like, we, we have not seen a lot of defensive effort mm-hmm. this season so far. But just this week alone... A lot of def- a lot of defenses have been the reason that games have been decided the way that they were. So, Jared Goff threw four interceptions against the Bears, who have the number one defense in the league. The Vikings were held scoreless until the two minute warning in the fourth quarter against Seattle. Seattle almost shut them out, mm. and the Ravens. The Ravens. The Ravens gave Mahomes a run for his money. They had they, to play they, in overtime. They brought him to overtime. Mahomes only scored seven points in the second half Mm. and 17 in the first half it the ravens were locking him down in the second half so it irks me to ask you i mean it doesn't irk me but it it you want this 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 kind of sets up the question that i have for you cage should we eat our words about what we said about the lack of defensive effort in the NFL? No, I I don't think so at all. And I can give you reasons for every team and example you gave on why I still feel offenses just completely overpower defenses. Well, let's go into it a little bit. So your first example about Jared Goff, I truly believe a big factor of that, and I'm not discrediting the Bears defense. It's great for a reason, is... Jared Goff is not used to playing. It was like 20-something degrees at that game, not even. Well, yeah. it's That's a huge factor, huge factor into it all. I mean, you're talking about someone who plays almost all of their games on the West Coast in the nice sunny side at California where it's hot all the time. And I mean, think about it. You can say in the contrast, it's a big reason why Brady doesn't play well in Miami is he's not used to the heat. Different temperature arenas are a huge difference, and I think that's a big reason Jared Goff played so poorly. It was just they were not acclimated to the weather. I Like I said, not discrediting the defense, I think it played well, but to say that because of that is a huge reason, like to, to take back the words we've said about offenses being stronger, I don't think so. I think offenses still are just crazy good, and these are just small outliers because of situations like the Seahawks-Vikings the Seahawks defense is good, but the Vikings defense we've also have never credited as one of these super offenses. It's ne- we've never really mentioned the Vikings as a crazy offense, especially we can see this season how much Kirk Cousins has struggled under that offense and stuff. So it's really not a surprise to see the Seahawks at home were able to kind of clamp down and hold Kirk Cousins to such a poor game. And the Texans, not the Texans, I apologize, the Chiefs and the Ravens, I think that's the closest bet you can make because there wasn't really much outlying circumstances to it. The Ravens do have the number one defense in points allowed this season, so they've only been allowing like 17 points a game. And history does show when the number one defense versus the number one offense in points per game faces, the defense usually has the edge. And I really think that showed because they were just able to kind of lock down Patrick Mahomes when it mattered in scoring points. And I think that's the closest thing to what we were like, what you're trying to get at, Michael. But I feel like that's 
not many defenses can do what the Ravens defense does. The Ravens defense has always been that good at doing that forever, for years. And they're just, they are just taught to just not allow points. And that's what they do. I think if more teams kind of had like a Raven style defense, maybe we'd be talking, but they don't. And I think these situations going on in the league that last week, kind of there's a lot more to it than just maybe you and I were wrong. I'd love to hear what you think about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, I, I agree with you there where, I mean, these are just kind of outliers. I think that this week has helped me and probably a lot of people realize that the game is not as offensively dominated as we thought. I think that, like, after we saw the Rams-Chiefs game, just, like, a, a huge scoring game like that, we can we were probably just jumping to conclusions when we were like, oh, defenses are irrelevant. But they are important for some teams. They just got to, like, get it right. I will say another, another point to you is uh, two weeks ago when the Saints played the Cowboys, and the Cowboys held the Saints to, what, 10 points? I think, I think so. that was one of the biggest – that was one of the biggest examples because – the Saints were putting up almost 40-something every week before that. Almost 40 points every week. That's crazy. And the Cowboys clamped down and they held the Saints with Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, so many others to 10 points. That's, I think, a big sign of, you know, maybe everyone needed to pump the brakes after the Saints, not the Saints, the Chiefs-Rams game where both teams put up over 50. Well, I think at the same time you can maybe make a similar case to the Vikings. I know you were saying that they're – it offense is nowhere near the caliber of the Saints, obviously. But the Vikings have Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, who is having a career year. I think he's averaging over 100. He's has over 100 receptions this year. Um, they have Dalvin Cook, who is finally starting to produce again. It, it, I, I just don't understand how you could say that defenses are like still kind of irrelevant if the Seahawks didn't do what they did I just think that defenses I think it's not that they're irrelevant it's just the creativity of NFL offenses now there's so much that goes into it into playing and stuff that defenses just are a couple steps behind and they're not able to keep up with these crazy crazy plays like the Browns go into like wishbone which wishbone hasn't been used since like the 70s formations and like defenses don't like what do you do about that you don't you don't know what the wishbone is like you don't remember different stuff that can you can do out of a wishbone formation and like the patriots have done crazy things like that too where like they just you know the philly special Mm -hmm. think about it like nobody defenses aren't prepared for crazy you know pitches in the backfield to you know your third pitch where your wide receiver three is throwing across the field to your quarterback who's in the back of the end zone no, like that's not a play you're used to so like defenses it's not like they're just un, like irrelevant it's just that they just are outmatched like a chess game if you think of it like that well yeah i I, th- I think what you're saying is that offenses have a lot more freedom to run different sort of plays while on defense you're kind of like set to a few formations either man coverage or just zone coverage and like there's packages like nickels package dime packages you know five twos four threes but there's not much you can do like that's why like these bigger defenses are you see them because they do crazy stunts where like 
you, all of a sudden you have your defensive tackle dropping into coverage and your strong safety blitzing off the edge. And now all of a sudden that's when that confuses offenses because that's like a very unique creative style of play rather than, you know, cover two man, everyone's on one person and then safeties are just covering the end of the, like the deep field. Yeah. Where that's kind of easy for a quarterback to read. And when you have a million different kind of pieces in your offense that those plain defenses can't game plan for it. Yeah, that, that that's true. I mean, over the weekend, I I mean, there was a play that stuck out in my mind that the Bears ran against the Rams. On like it was like a goal line stand. They 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 brought in their defensive tackle to run it in, mm. or as so the Rams thought because I mean like who who would have thought that like they wouldn't use Hicks on that play? Yeah, but they had like a lineman roll out to the right. Mm. Because and he he was uncovered because no one knew what was going on and he caught an easy touchdown, so I think yeah it's I I don't know how you prepare for that and I and I think that might disadvantage defenses but I think that there are still instances of good defenses like oh there, taking down there, there are and it will happen by I think that's a big thing is how do you prepare for it and I think we're gonna see. There's going to be kind of a shift. There's going to be a big shift in coaches this offseason being hired to be these creative offensive coaches. But at the same time, I feel like in the next few seasons, I don't think right away, but we're going to start seeing the shift turn again where these coaching candidates are going to come out of nowhere with these crazy defensive schemes that just kind of nullify all these wild offenses. It just hasn't been come up with yet. Like nobody's really been able to game plan their next move that can prevent like you said, the like a formation on the goal line where you see your 300-pound defensive tackle get in the backfield because you do that to get the defense to expect them to run up the middle, and then you just flick it off to your tackle who's an eligible receiver who's wide open. Like, that's stuff that you do not prepare for. And I think, like I said, I don't think defenses are inferior. I just think they're just outsmarted right now. Well, yeah, and... I mean, going back to what you said, there. I mean, there definitely has been a trend of different coaches coming into the league with different ideas. Like, I remember the read option being huge with Chip Kelly, and now that defenses have solved the read option, Chip Kelly is now back in college. Exactly. And now everyone wants to be Sean McVay or Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that's, I mean, like, you said it, you said it the best you could, eh? that's... People just try to imitate those kind of styles of play, and that's what's going to happen this offseason is a lot of these head coaching vacancies are going to try to find a coach that imitates, you know, a Matt Nagy, a Sean McVay, an Andy Reid, like stuff like that to kind of better prepare for the future and move their teams around like that. And I, it'll be surprising to see when the, the tides finally turn and defenses finally start to figure it out with their own creativity, how to kind of shut them down. Yeah, well well said, definitely. Um, so I think now would be a good time to kind of move things over into um, Week 15 action here. We're just going to go back, do our back and forth on our games here. And we are uh, three weeks away from the end of regular season, Michael. It's we, we, Yeah, we are. We're, we're three weeks away. We still have yet to log who we pick i actually have thank you very oh, much you've logged it so you folks here can't see but i have underlined on my notes every team i think that's going to win yeah so, cage, cage is one of those old heads who still writes out his notes 
Well, I, I I have mine on my laptop, like yeah, off to the side here. Listen, I'm sorry. I like my old fashioned notes all ni- nice and neat in front of me right now. But yeah, so I, you know, as promised last week, I logged my wins. So uh, I don't know, Michael. Kind of, you should watch before you say anything. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Put also, me on the spot here. <laughs> di- disclaimer: uh, I do get to cover the Jets game again, so be prepared for that. We've um last night we've noticed that I cover every Jets game. Yeah, out out of um. <laughs> Out of our, this is our fifth episode now, so that means four of these five weeks I've covered the Jets. Yeah, I think we started doing previews episode two. Oh, we did. We so did. I that apologize. means that three of the four three week. of the four weeks you have had the Jets. Three out of four weeks I've had the Redskins. I think so. It's really weird. I think I have the Redskins again, but that'll be later down the line because right now um I'm responsible for the Thursday night game, which is Chiefs at I mean Chargers at Chiefs. All right. Yeah. Char- yeah. yeah, Chargers, Chargers at Chiefs. <laughs> you just, you just threw Sorry, I was like looking at the screen for those that, you know, you can't really see us, and I was just trying to get a good eye on what, what it was myself. Oh, yes, yes. Since so, I only have a piece so, of paper here. Yeah, we got um Chargers, Chiefs. So Melvin Gordon is traveling with the team, reportedly. He's still questionable to play. I don't know if he'll play, but, I mean, that's... He's questionable. He, he's questionable. But um Austin Eckler has been deemed out with his concussion neck injury so this kind of lets in their rookie running back justin jackson to get a start Mm. come thursday night i think that'll probably be the best bet for the chargers but at the same time if the chargers win this game they clinch a playoff berth the chiefs on the other hand if they win this game they clinch the division so i mean i don't think the chargers are really going for the for the AFC West anymore? Well, you can't say that. I mean, you I'm can't sure say they that. are if... trying, but it's going to be a big uphill battle to do that. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, a big step into getting the division is beating the Chiefs yeah. in this game. Um, so, in the last nine matchups against the Chiefs, Phillip Rivers has lost all nine. <laughs> he has thrown nine touchdowns and 14 interceptions in that nine-game span. So, I think that... This is going to be a close game, I feel, because both teams are rolling. The Chargers almost lost to the Bengals, though. Eric Berry might play this week, too, which would be huge for the Chiefs. That would be huge. I think that the Chiefs are probably going to win this game. I I agree. I feel like the Chargers are good, but the Chiefs are better is kind of the best way I can kind of say that. The Chargers will have to play like they did against Pittsburgh instead of against Cincinnati. Um, yeah, even it, it's going to depend on what side of the Chargers we get. Like you said, we could get the Pittsburgh Chargers, or we could get the Chargers that got sm- smacked by the Broncos a few weeks ago. I think they're going to be trying to play well because they know there's a lot on the line. But the Chiefs are just an unstoppable for they The Chiefs are playing so well. Their two losses this week, or this season, are against the Patriots, who, you know, they only lost by three. They almost came back and won that game. And against the Rams, who we know how that game was. That was a crazy game. Anyone could have won, and it came down to basically last possession. Yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. And uh, what what was it? Phillip Rivers, his nine-game losing streak? You said, I think it's going to go to 10. You know what nine-game losing streak did end, though, and didn't go to 10? (laughs) What? (laughs) The Texans against the Colts. Now, this week, the Texans are playing in New York against the Jets. It's going to be a big game because the Texans are still fighting for a first-round bye. It'll be close, and they do need the Patriots to start losing a couple more while they need to win more. 
But they have a favorable matchup this week against the Jets, while the Patriots have a tougher one against the Steelers we'll talk about later. Sam Darnold came back last week after missing four weeks with an injury. He played all right. He beat Josh Allen in their first of many matchups. I think the Texans win this one very easily. I mean, I feel like I say this every week when I talk about the Jets. Just the other team is going to win easily because (laughs) the Jets just don't have anyone. Like... And I don't mean, no offense to you Jets fans out there, but Isaiah Crowell probably isn't going to be playing this game. Sam Darnold, we still don't know if he's 100% because he had to be taken out last week for a little bit to get checked on. Well, people are saying regardless that Sam Darnold is finally coming into his own in the league. He's he's kind of becoming more comfortable, apparently. Mm. So I think like probably he's just probably working on being himself for next season, his old USC self. Yeah, well, it's it'll be tough, but I don't think he'll be able to do that against the Texans who, if the Texans just demolished the Baker Mayfield and the Browns a few weeks ago, and it's very arguably in an unbiased way, seriously, that Baker Mayfield has been the best rookie quarterback so far, yes. statistic-wise, yes. and you know the Browns also have a better team than the, the, than the Jets, it, it's tough to say that the Jets will be able to actually do something because this Texans defense, when I've watched them, it's it's crazy. They have people flying off the edge. J.J. Wan, Jadavian Clowney are jumping like 10 feet in the air to swap passes. Tyran Mateo is playing great defense. I really don't see a way the Texans lose this game unless if they fall asleep. They they lost to the Colts, but that Colts is a good team who's playing for the sixth seed. The, te- the Jets are already out of the playoffs. Like, what are they playing for? They're just for playing pride? for pride, yeah. Yeah, it's, and that pride isn't going to take them a long way when the Texans are playing for a first-round bye. I'm going with the Texans on this one. I I, I agree. I don't, it, something catastrophic would have to happen for the Texans to lose two in a row and lose that second in a row to the Jets. Yeah, I mean, while the you know while the Jets are, are while the Jets aren't playing for anything, the Texans are playing for a first round bye. The Broncos and Browns may not be playing for a bye, but they're both playing for the sixth seed right now. Michael, what do you think about that game? Yeah, they're. I mean, they're both still very in it. They're mm-hmm. they're in the hunt. So if the Browns win this game, they're going to move up to third over the Bengals in the AFC North. If the Broncos lose, however, they're done. They're they're out of the playoffs. Um, entering this game, the Browns have 28 takeaways, which is the second most in the NFL behind the, the Bears, who have 34. And so in the past 12 of the last 13 games that the Browns have played, they have at least one takeaway. Their one game without a takeaway, just so you know, was against the Texans. Oh. Was against that dis dis debacle that the Texans put on them. Yeah. I I mean, this game is going to come down to probably the Browns winning it with their defense. They they got to hold Case Keenum down. They lost Emmanuel Sanders. The the Broncos did. I mean, on the so, flip side, Chris Harris Jr. is out too. So the Brown, so Baker Mayfield does get a sigh of relief knowing that Chris Harris Jr. is out. Yeah, and him and Jarvis Landry ha- both had huge weeks last week. So mm. I mean, they could probably add on to that knowing that Chris Harris Jr. is out. So I, I think that just in the nature of this game, it's a Saturday night game. It's the first of the season <laughs> that's yeah. a Saturday night game. I think that the Browns are going to win this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously the Browns fan in me wants the Browns to win as well. I genuinely, as an unbiased football brainiac, think the Browns have the edge. Honestly, if the te- if the 49ers didn't beat the Broncos this week, I would be giving this to the Broncos because of their big wins against Pittsburgh and the Chargers. 
But them just getting embarrassed by the 49ers kind of shows how inconsistent this team is and also how much they miss Chris Harris Jr. and Emmanuel Sanders. It's a different team without them. And I think Cleveland can definitely take advantage of that, knowing how fired up they are. I mean, this is the first December games the Browns have played that have mattered in like 11, 12 years. They're, they're fired up and they need to win this game to stay alive as well. If they lose, I believe they're eliminated from the playoffs too. So it's going to be a big game. I'm going with the Browns. Also, fun fact, all five of the Browns are 5-0 and this season against animal teams. That's a very wild statistic. They're 5-0 and against animal teams. Their last three games of the season are against the Broncos, the Ravens, and the Bengals. Those all sound like animals. Those all me. sound like animals. <laughs> you know what other teams are animals, though? The Falcons and the Cardinals are Oof. animals, too. I think, like, just about every team but like probably like a handful are animals <laughs> so no i the nah there's a lot of team i would say it's a 50 50 split i don't know animals we'll, we'll have to look into that yeah well that's, I mean, that's besides the point <laughs> that's i mean yeah why don't you look into it while i start telling us telling our folks about the cardinals and falcons game already all right yeah we have the cardinals at the falcons like we forementioned before the falcons at four and nine are somehow miraculously through god's grace still in the playoff hunt Granted, if they lose this week, they obviously aren't going to be in the playoffs hunt. But the Cardinals are playing for pride, kind of like the Jets right now. They're only averaging 13.7 points per game, which is abysmal. But this is a game where the Cardinals and Falcons, like neither team just has that juice to win a game. And really, I could see the Cardinals somehow winning this game. I know the Falcons can't lose because they're like in fear of being eliminated. But the Falcons just haven't been a good team. They're plagued with injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Granted, getting Deion Jones back last week was a huge help. They still ended up losing to the Packers. And honestly, had the Packers scored their most points all season. I just think that Josh Rosen needs a nice another win under his belt. Kind of help us out rookie campaign, which has been kind of struggling. And a big thing that we've seen is that the Cardinals players, they've been fighting so hard to keep Steve Wilkes. Apparently, they really like him as a coach. They don't want him to be one and done. I think that could fuel the Cardinals to win. I think the Cardinals are going to win. I think they're going to, you know, knock the Falcons out of the playoffs because this Falcons are already in a lost year. And I can't see them coming back from that. I'm going to I'm going to go um on the flip side here. I'm going to go with the Falcons because I feel like they they just need something mm. to keep their spirits high. They're technically still in the playoff picture. They're at the very bottom of the playoff picture in the NFC. So, like I said earlier, a lot will have to happen for them to make the playoffs, but I think they're probably going to keep fighting here. I I don't with a wide receiver core of Mohamed Sanu, Julio Jones, and uh, Calvin Ridley. I don't see them losing against this Cardinal secondary that just has Patrick Peterson, who earlier in the season said he wanted out of Arizona. Yeah. And also, by the way, um, after counting really quickly, there are 15 animal teams. So, not there. Very under 500. There. Almost under 500. You know who's also kind of very almost under 500 is the Bengals. The Bengals, yes. And they are hosting the now 3-10 Raiders. Mm. Um, there's – this is I, – I, I don't know how to put this nicely. This isn't really 
a good game. <laughs> whoa, 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 listen. We have a lot. Of, do you not forget John Gruden is a fan of the show? You got to watch oh, what you're I'm saying sorry. now, Michael. I'm sorry, Mr. Gruden. <laughs> um, you can put it this way. If the Raiders win this week, they have will finish 3-1 and one against the AFC North. That's that's true. That means three of their four wins, if they win this week, are, beca- are against the AFC North. <laughs> that That's very true. But, I mean, Jeff Driscoll has been kind of holding his own on the Bengals. They, they almost beat the Chargers. And the Chargers are a playoff contending team. Mm. So I think that they're probably going to keep building off of that. I think Marvin Lewis at this point is just fighting for a contract extension yet again. <laughs> and if he gets it, like, I don't know what I'm going to think. What if, yeah, but what if on the flip side, he doesn't and Hugh Jackson becomes the coach? That's honestly even worse for me. <laughs> yeah, like, I, it's just the Bengals are, like, it's such a weird state of the team right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, same thing with the Raiders. Raiders have nothing to lose. But yet they still are coming off of a win against the Steelers, which have been a consistent playoff team. I think this is John Gruden's, you know, FU tour to the league. And I think he's just going to kind of be going in these last games, trying to knock as many teams off the playoff hunt as he can. Starting with the ba- starting with the Bengals kind of hurt the Steelers last week. He's just going to kind of start picking people off, taking them down with him. That'd be, that'd be great to see, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I think... I'm just going to go with the safe bet here and go with the Bengals because they're playing at home and they're they frankly put on a better performance than the than the Raiders did against Ben Roth the Ben Roethlisberger list Steelers. Do you know was the was the Bengals Bengals didn't play the Chargers last week? Yeah, they did. No, they didn't. Oh yes, they did. You're right. I apologize. Wow, I don't know what I'm talking about, folks. Never mind. Did the Bengals play the Chargers in? LA or was it in Cincy? It was in LA, I believe. It was in LA. So that would mean the Bengals last That's in LA, home, yes. Last home game was against the Browns when they got smacked. So I don't I, I don't know. I don't think the home is safe for the Bengals. I'm gonna go with the Raiders on this one. Like I said, I feel like John Gruden is trying to take people down with him. That'd be great to see. But Cage, you know who also are bringing people down with them? The Dolphins, after they took down the Patriots on the very last play last week. <laughs> And That's, they are playing the Vikings. I'm impressed. That was a good job. Thank you. I'm, I've been working on my transitions. Thank you. He's Yeah, you've come a long way since those episode two transitions. But yeah, the Dolphins are going into Minnesota. The Dolphins are on a two-game win streak, although both of them were at home. And now they have to travel to the frigid north, where like we kind of talked about in our NFC discussion thread, Minnesota is vying to keep onto that sixth seed, and it's really theirs to lose at this point. A key thing to notice, though, is Tannehill's injured. So we might be getting Brock Sember going on. Brock Osweiler might I, be. I, I texted you during the Patriots Dolphins game in all caps saying Brock Sember is here because I thought like at the half because Tannehill was shaken up and he managed to play the rest of the game, but like he was extremely hobbled even at the end when they managed to do what they did, which I. It makes me cry at night, but that, I, I digress. <laughs> this isn't about your tears, Michael. Listen, this is the that's a Miami miracle. You can join seats with sad Saints fans from last year and kind of, you know, all cry together. We're talking about the Dolphins moving on against the Vikings. The Dolphins haven't lost to Minnesota since 2002, which is a long time ago. They've only really played four times since then, but they are 0-4 in that time. So they haven't beaten them in their last four showings. And with Tannehill kind of injured, that really hurts their chances. Even with them winning two straights, I know the Dolphins are trying to sneak into the playoffs as well. I really think they're kind of pretenders. They've been pretenders all year. Realistically, I mean, 
I know Michael cries at night to that play last week, but that Dol- the Dolphins shouldn't have won that game. If they had any defensive player not named Rob Gronkowski on that field, they would have pushed Kenyon Drake out of bounds. Look, you're preaching to the choir here. Like, I'm, I'm. That's what I've been thinking this whole time. No, I understand, but I, I just want our fans to know. I, so, because of that, I really don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to go to Minnesota, not in Miami, and stun the Vikings, who now have a new OC. And usually, if you actually follow league trends, very commonly when a team, you know, hires a new OC, a new DC. That team kind of gets a jump start the next week for some reason. It's almost like this false confidence. Are you it just happens. talking about Freddie Kitchens and no, the Browns? No, <laughs> well, look at Joe Philbin last week with the Packers. His I mean, first week as the as the interim, the Packers put up their most points they have all season. Yeah, but he also wasted both of their challenges within the first two minutes. Okay, but you know we, we'll digress to that later. That he for one of those should have been called back. Well, this okay. is not talking about this the Packers about and Joe Philbin. Dolphins-Vikings. <laughs> I'm going with the Vikings, Michael. Who are you going with? I'm, I'm going to agree with that because, I mean, I can't see how the Vikings could pull off another loss, especially the caliber of the loss that they had against the Seahawks. And they, they also lost to the Patriots the week before. I think they need a win here to stay alive in the playoffs. And... This the this game has to be like a shoe in for the Vikings, and they and they have to treat it as such. So I think they they gotta win it. So I I'm gonna go with them. Yeah, I mean another team that definitely has to win it too is the Colts. They're playing the Cowboys. Yes, they are hosting the Cowboys. They're hosting the Cowboys. And so the Colts have to win that game in order to stay in the playoff hunt, and they're very close into getting a sixth seed. Um, also. The Cowboys, if they win this game, they clinch the NFC East. Which would be huge, like we talked about before with our NFC kind of playoff picture discussion. Yeah, and they... E- they... E- no, go ahead, Michael. Oh, even though, um, even if they don't win, if Philly and Washington both lose, the Cowboys still clinch. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, but that that's a lot tougher than for them to win. I think it's going to be a tough game regardless. But, I mean, the Cowboys kind of held... The Cowboys can hold the Saints to 10 points, and the Jaguars can shut out the, the Colts, I think the Cowboys have a lot better of an edge than people give them probably credit for this game. Because Andrew Luck's been playing great. But we know Drew Brees and the Saints are doing something crazy in New Orleans right now. And for the Cowboys to stun them and only hold them to 10, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they can go to Indianapolis and lock down the Colts. It certainly isn't. And I mean... I think that this is going to be probably T.Y. Hilton against Amari Cooper. They both had great weeks last week, mm. and I, I I don't see them being quiet in this game. No, I, I think it's going to be t- – I, I think this will come down to a lot of things. I think it will come down to, honestly, I think Amari Cooper and T.Y. Hilton are going to be huge factors. But I also think a big thing is the Colts have really strayed away from the run game the last few weeks, which I don't know why. They've had – you know, they finally have good offensive line – um Andrew Luck is playing well Marlon Mack has been a good running back but they haven't been running as much and I really think they're going to need to establish the run if they want to play this game because Byron Jones is playing great as well as you know Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith are playing well as as well they're not even playing as just run defender linebackers they're all the way over the field you know helping out in the pass coverage so I really think at the Colts if they want to win this game they got to mix both up I'm gonna go with the boys in blue Cowboys I, I am too because I don't really see the Colts getting their running game going just instantaneously like that. And even if they do, I don't think it's 
going to be good enough to take down the Cowboys defense. Yeah, the, the Colts definitely would need to get a good running game. They should honestly call up Baltimore and ask them a few questions because Baltimore has some kind of crazy quarterback running back running game going on. And they're going to take that in stride this week against the Buccaneers, where just recently this morning, as we're recording, I should say the morning we record, John Harbaugh has officially announced that Lamar Jackson's their starter. So after, you know, a few weeks of us talking about this whole Lamar Jackson thing, and I believe we even mentioned in the last podcast that we don't see Joe Flacco kind of coming back because he basically practiced all of last week. He, he should have not been inactive last week, and he was inactive, and I think that was a big sign to tell alone last Sunday when they put him inactive when he should have at the very least been a backup that it's going to be Lamar Jackson's job, and he made it official. Lamar Jackson is 3-1 as a starter so far this year, but I feel like this is could be a trap game, Michael. I, you know, when I was looking up stats for this game, it's the Bucks are such a weird conundrum where they're, one, still in the playoff hunt, like we've said, kind of sticking with that theme this week. But they put up 30-plus away, where they put up less than 20 home, and this is an away game. And I know we talked about last week how good, and even this week, how good the Ravens' defense is at stopping points per game. But they're actually 0-4 this season when they've played a top-10 scoring offense. They lost to the Steelers, they lost to the Chiefs, they lost to the Panthers, and they lost to the Saints. So they're great at stopping teams from scoring unless if they're playing a really good team at scoring and as crazy as it is the bucks are actually top 10 in scoring they're still in the playoff race, and they're still in the playoff race both of these teams are yeah so i think i think like you know all these kind of games that have playoff implications there can't lose games i kind of feel like the bucks might have an edge over this they played decent against the saints and it'd be crazy if they could squeak into playoff contention into the sixth seed by beating a good Ravens team who, you know, lost a long game. I mean, overtime games exhaust players. And that overtime game went down to the wire this last week. I'm going to be honest. I don't know how, like, back to normal that Ravens team is going to be after having to play a whole extra quarter. I I think they'll translate well. Because they have all week to prepare for Yeah, but folks. it's just, they have all week to prepare, but it's more so, like, you, they played a whole extra you know, 12 minutes more yeah. of just running into each other. That's going to tire them down. And the thing about this Bucks offense is how fast they are. You, they can just Jameis can just throw to Deshaun Jackson 75 yards and he'll beat you deep. Mike Evans is as good as a receiver as there are in the league right now. You know, They might not have a running game like the Ravens do and their defense might be plagued, but this could be a shootout. I think that... Above all, this is going to just be a test for the Ravens because mm. I think that this will, I mean, test their strength to see if they're actually, you know, going to be good enough in the playoffs. Because I think most of us are going to write them off as a one and done if they do make the playoffs. But I think that this will show if they're the real deal or not. And that's why I'm going to go with the Ravens because I, I believe that their defense and Lamar Jackson has kind of kept this team alive yeah Lamar Jackson though as crazy as it is isn't hasn't been running as well as another rookie quarterback named Josh Allen who recently just broke Michael Vick's three game stretch record for most rushing yards that like baffles me that he broke that record yeah because like when I see Josh Allen I do not see someone who has run like Mike Vick yeah and he, he apparently I watched him click and 
clips, and he is a he is a quick little you know six foot four white guy. I'm not gonna lie, but he's playing the Bills this week. And what do you think of Speedy McGee? You think he'll be playing well, Speedy McGee? <laughs> Is that is that a coined term here on the First and Ten podcast? Yeah, First and Ten podcast, Josh Allen is officially coined as Speedy McGee. He joins Russell the Hustle Bustleman Wilson as our quarterback nickname group. I love it. I love it, actually. So here we got the Bills hosting the Lions. Josh Allen is, I mean, the, probably the biggest matchup we're going to see is Josh Allen versus that running defense that the Lions have. Because LaShawn McCoy right now is questionable with a hamstring injury. His his week and season are kind of at jeopardy right now, just like Carson Wentz. But I think that the only really thing to focus on here is Josh Allen versus that running defense, and that's probably going to be the decider here. I think that the Bills will take this game because the Lions have kind of been really lackluster. I think Matt Patricia is still going through a lot of growing pains as a head coach. I don't that doesn't necessarily mean that they the Lions should fire him. I think that he should stick around for at least a few years to prove himself, but I, I think right now, with the circumstances, the Lions are just kind of packing it in for the season. I mean, they also are like we've kind of said almost every game these past few ones, they are another team in the hunt for the NFC. So I don't know if they'd necessarily pack it in. I, I feel like, honestly, on the contrary, this Bills team, Josh Allen's been playing all right, but this Bills team doesn't have anyone, especially if LaShawn McCoy doesn't play. Who are they throwing to? Zay Jones? Like, you know, Charles they, Clay? They brought over a guy from their practice squad. I think, I, I forget his name. His last name is Foster. He went from being cut from the practice squad on the Bills to now being a Rookie of the Week candidate from last week because he just did so well that that's just i mean it's a good thing. i just feel like this i just feel like this lions team not to cut you off it's okay is just better i just think you know they're still kind of in the hunt i don't think they're going to get eliminated from this hunt because i think they're going to win this bills team is just kind of they're fighting for pride you know sticking with that term and they lost against the jets who aren't a good team and the lions are way better than the jets i i'm gonna go with uh, the Bills here on this one. Mm-hmm. Although, honestly, it's not really the NFC North teams that have the... Or an NFC North team that has as big of a match. The Bears and Packers are a much bigger game this week than our Lions versus Bills showdown. And their teams are definitely a lot more different from Week 1. And their teams are a lot more different than Week 1, that's, that's for sure. So, yeah, the Packers are traveling to Chicago to kind of play after the Week 1 game where Aaron Rodgers made that miraculous comeback. And this is a big game because the Bears can clinch the NFC North if they win. But also the Packers, it's like Michael said, it's a completely different team. The Bears are coming off of holding the Rams to their career low six points of the Jared Goff, Sean McVay era. While on the other side, the Packers have put up, like I kind of alluded to earlier, the Packers put up the most points all season last week, which is 34. Which is kind of crazy to think about that it took until week 14 for Aaron Rodgers to put up 34 points but that's just kind of the season the Packers have been having Packers are still at 5-7-1 and one in the thick of the hunt but I don't think they have the power I think they played well against the Falcons last week but Joe Philbin kind of used all his magic he could by challenging for the you know losing both challenges in the first two minutes I don't think they have enough power to beat Matt Nagy's team I think the Bears are going to win this division Sunday 
maybe if they get Aaron Jones included more, the Packers could kind of hold, like, make a close call. But like Michael said earlier, this podcast, the Bears' defense is just phenomenal. They held the Rams to six points. The Packers' offense is nothing like the Rams' offense, and I think the Bears will be wearing those hats after that game. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is on an island of his own right now when it comes to not even the offense on the Packers, but just the whole team. No one has really performed as much as well as they are were supposed to this season. Devontae Adams is the closest. He hit over a thousand yards, but even that, he's not like he's not an it factor. He's not winning them games. He's not the it factor, but he kind of is a pseudo it factor right now, just because that's the only guy who's producing other than Aaron Rodgers right now. But uh, they, you got to know that the Bears are going to exploit that matchup. Devontae Adams is probably not even going to get a catch coming into this game. I mean, yeah, didn't you say, you said, you know, the Bears are first in the league with, you know, takeaways, right? They are. So that that's going to be huge to, to see into a fact. I, I believe Eddie Jackson, like, has like four pick six this season. He's, it's crazy. It's cr- like, like teams are lucky if they get as a team one pick six in a season. This one dude has four of them. Yeah. Imagine that. That's crazy. He scored four touchdowns as a safety. Their defense is playing great. Yeah. That being said, I, I do not see any other world that the Bears would not win in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very well said, Michael. So go ahead. You know, segue. I'd like to segue? see. Yeah, I'd love to see your. You want your, me to do the segue this time? Do the segue this time. I want to so, see. So I mean, we going off of the subject of playoff implications. The Redskins are still in it despite losing. You know, Alex Smith. Okay, that was okay. So, see, I would have gone with a comparing Aaron Rodgers to Josh Johnson approach. To be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, I mean that would be probably better. It's fine. For you're comedic learning. Value, you're learning. We're, we're learning. We're learning here on the first weekend <laughs> podcast, but. The Jaguars are hosting the Redskins. Redskins are still in the hunt, but they're now down to their third string quarterback. Josh Johnson is getting the start, likely. Technically, for fourth string. Yeah. Alex Smith is one. Yeah, Alex Smith Cole is Ma- one. Cole, Cole McCoy is two. two. Mark, Mark Sanchez, Sanchez is three. <laughs> and they're all injured. Like, how does that happen? But I anyway, Josh Johnson is... <laughs> the man of the hour. The man of the hour. He's starting against Washington. He came in the fourth quarter against a blowout against the Giants. The Giants were blowing the Redskins out. He threw for two touchdowns and 150 yards. And he is now facing Cody Kessler. So I think that this is probably the greatest show on turf coming up here. Yeah. Cody Kessler against Josh Johnson. Cody Kessler, you know, also had a great week against the Jaguars uh, the week before, or that same week, that Thursday night. So, you know, Cody Kessler and Josh Johnson are coming off Pretty uh, disappointing, to say the least, losses. Yeah. I think a matchup for this game that we're going to want to watch is Leonard Fournette against De'Aaron Payne. I think that it's it's going to come down to that ultimately because I don't think any there are any other X-Factors in this game other than Leonard Fournette. So I think that probably the Jags are going to grab this one and this is, we're going to see the sweet descent of the Redskins season. You don't you don't have any faith in Josh Johnson? I I don't. I don't frankly. <laughs> but he's better than Colin Kaepernick though. Oh boy. <laughs> um yeah, so I would like to hear your thoughts on this game, Cage. <laughs> uh well, as a USC fanboy, I do love Cody Kessler. I think uh Leonard Fournette is going to be a big thing. Honestly, 
Josh Johnson all the way, man. I don't know. This Jaguars team was terrible against the Titans. Abysmal. Their defense is good. Is it at home? I, I apologize. It's in Jacksonville. It is. I guess maybe their defense could play well. This is like both teams. I mean, the Redskins are in the hunt, but I'm not going to lie. This team's playing for pride. Like, this team isn't playing for a playoff spot right now. Yeah, honestly. They're, they're one injury away from having their Jordan Reed be their emergency quarterback. Like, I don't think they signed another guy, and I don't think Mark Sanchez is that healthy. So, God forbid, Josh Johnson, I don't want to wish injury on anyone. He gets injured. They have Jordan Reed as their quarterback. They're not playing for a playoff spot. They're playing for pride. I I think this is going to be, you know, Leonard Fournette might play well. The Redskins defense is okay. It's all going to come down to what side of Jacksonville's defense shows up. It's honestly a coin flip. We could get the Jacksonville defense that shut out the Colts, or we can get the Jacksonville's defense that lit up let Derrick Henry get 238 yards. It depends on what side of that. If we get the Colt shutout Jacksonville defense, I think they win. But if we get the, I'm going to let Derrick Henry just absolutely destroy my team, then we're then I think Josh Johnson is walking out of there with a win, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, but like, to be honestly, this isn't even the most exciting NFC East, AFC South matchup this week. Really? Yeah, because to me, I think the most exciting one is when the Titans go to New York to play the Giants. Yeah, everyone's got that game circled on their calendars. <laughs> I think I do. The Titans are fighting for the sixth seed spot. The Giants, like I said in our discussion, I think they're one of the most likely teams to sneak into the playoffs. They're still in the playoff hunt. But also the Giants and the Titans are both coming off crazy games. They're on the flip side of this. The Titans were the ones who manhandled the Jaguars, or the Giants manhandled the Redskins. They're both riding high into this game. It'll be a lot more exciting than I think you think it is, Michael. Have some faith, all right? <laughs> this game is circled off for me, and I'm sure this is circled off for many other people out there watching this. I will say, though, the Giants might not have Odell for a second straight week, so that'll be tough. But at the same time, they clearly proved last week they were fine, and I really think the Titans kind of have a false confidence more so than the Giants. I think the Giants' confidence is a little more um, reasonable. Granted, I think if Alex Smith did play that game and he wasn't injured, I think the Redskins would have still won, but he isn't. I think the Giants will be able to play against Mariota better and will shut down. Obviously, Derrick Henry isn't having 236 yards again. Uh, Also, you have to take into account the Giants beat the Bears two weeks ago. So their last two wins have been against the Bears, which is a huge win. And then against, you know, they when they thwomped the Redskins. So I think that's a lot more to play into a factor than this Titans. I'm going to go with the Giants. They're going to win this game again. But I think it's going to be good. Hold my, hold it. Watch. I agree that it might be a good game. You do Just not come, agree. Come, come to think of it. I mean, you've, you've convinced me. <sighs> there we go. Yeah, but I, I, I think that the Titans are going to be the one who comes out with the win here. You think because so? Because I, I think they have a lot of momentum to build off of after they just mollywop the the jaguars mm. who i mean were supposed to have a good defense they had one of the best defenses last year so yeah i think that the the titans offense has a lot of momentum right now especially with derrick henry i i mean specifically i don't really think that he's going to produce nearly as much as he did against jacksonville yeah but i think that they they might utilize him more yeah so i i think that the titans offense is going to probably start clicking and that's why I'm going to take him. The Titans might have a lot of momentum, I guess. But no team has more momentum, Michael, than the Seahawks. Seahawks. Michael's now a bandwagon Seahawks fan. I'm now a bandwagon 
I'm now a bandwagon Seahawks fan. So yes. this is a canon for the first and ten podcast. Michael is officially a bandwagon Seahawks fan. So please talk about your favorite team in the league, Michael. So the Seahawks are going into San Francisco to visit former Seahawk Richard Sherman. And my favorite player, Nick Mullins. Yeah, Nick Mullins Mania is Mullins Mania is back, folks. You do not understand. He is it's, it's, proven to the world. I never I never doubted Michael. Michael, this is your preview. I'm letting everyone know real quick. Nick Mullins is here. He he proved to everyone. Everyone stopped believing in Nick Mullins except for me, and then he beat the 49ers. Mullins he, mania. You just said he beat, he the, beat the Broncos. Yeah, he can't, I apologize. he can't beat his own team. He probably can. He has before in the last couple oh, yeah. weeks before that. Mullins and George Kittle are coming off of great games. Um, and But the Seahawks' defense is probably the most, like, momentum, has the mo- most momentum going off of this game. Um, I think that... A big, a, I mean, a, a big factor is that Seattle defense. If Seattle wins this game, they clinch a playoff berth. The Niners are pretty much out of the playoffs. They've been for a while. And I think they're just kind of getting on to next season. So I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. The Seahawks, I mean, need this to clinch the playoffs. So I don't see why not. Yeah, I, I mean, the Seahawks have won five straight for a reason. And I know in past episodes we've talked about how a lot of their wins were against phony teams um, like the Packers and the Panthers and the 49ers, actually. But, I mean, they I think their win against the Vikings kind of proved us wrong or at least me wrong with this phony team because that Vikings isn't a phony team even though they've had offensive struggles. They're a good team. So I think the Seahawks are legit. I think, you know, I love Nick Mullins, but this is definitely a lot tougher of a team than the Broncos. It, it's going to help them. The fact that it is in, you know, San Francisco and there is the whole Richard Sherman's playing his former team factor. That's all a big thing. Matt Breida is healthy this week, so they will get a fully healthy Matt Breida again. But is it going to be enough to stop a very hot Seahawks team? I mean, the Seahawks for a while have been struggling just because of their defense. But I think after this game against the Vikings, they finally found a leader. Mm. I think Bobby Wagner has finally emerged as a leader and fl- Bobby Frank- Wagner's been playing yeah crazy phenomenal and him and Frank Clark have been probably not to the be leadership confused with roles. Clark Kent Superman yeah not not Superman he is kind of like Superman cl- with how he's playing close to it he has 11 sacks but I think yeah they they've definitely come out as leaders yeah for this team. I, I I mean if the 49ers want any chance to win I think it's gonna have to be a little bit of Mullins magic but I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Seahawks on this one I agree all right, Michael, I'm giving you one more chance. Segway us away. Okay, so, I mean, there's there's no segue here. This is just a revenge game for the Patriots. <laughs> the Patriots are pissed. They just lost to the to the Dolphins on the very last play. Michael, Michael I a don't... Little, a little anecdote here. I was sitting, watching the game. Folks, I, Michael's taking with, over. With, with, my, with my grandmother. I've lost control. Yeah, I was I was watching the game with my grandmother. She She's... She's at that age where she doesn't really know what's going on. Is this the same grandmother that makes our cookies? The yes. Cookies? Okay. Yes, theoretically. All right. So, in the last seven seconds of the game, right before that play happened, I looked at my grandmother and said, pending if the Patriots win this game, they will win the AFC East. And she's like, oh, okay. And then that happened. I I don't think I've been as upset as a Patriots fan as I was in that moment, just seeing that happen, it, it felt so surreal. And then after, I was just so angry. And it's not it's not even, like, really anyone's fault. 
It was just, it was just a really just, it, it, it was just, I didn't even know what happened. It was just all entropy. Well, that was, uh, that was our session of therapy on the first and 10 podcast. Folks, I'm sorry I let Michael segue into that game. Do you feel better about it now? I feel a little bit better. Do you feel better yelling into a microphone? Yes. About it? Okay. Well, now that Michael's, you know, gotten that off his chest, allow me to actually preview the game of the Pats at the Steelers. No, Michael did not mention the Steelers once in that. It was all Patriots-Dolphins. And I see him shaking now, so I'm not going to use the D term while I'm talking about this. But, yes, the Patriots travel to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. They've, uh, you know, they lost on that walk-off. Won't talk about that. And the Patriots, I will say, dude, they have a losing record on the road this season. So we've kind of forementioned this in previous podcasts. The Patriots are not their, themselves when they're on the road, um, or at least not as good as they've used to be on the road. So it'll be interesting to see. But it's going to be another interesting thing that we're going to have to take into account for is if James Conner plays. So... You know, he's kind of been questionable all week with his injury that kind of kept him out last week. Ben Roethlisberger also isn't 100% healthy this season, so that'll be interesting. Not this season, God. This He hasn't been consistent this season. Well, he season, hasn't been consistent this season either, but this game. So the Patriots do have something going for them that they're going to be playing against an injured, battered Steelers team that lost off of a Chris Boswell slipped kick. The Patriots have won their last five against Pittsburgh. And correct me if I'm wrong, the Patriots, they just need to win this to win the division, right? Yeah, they just need to win this. Or And Buffalo needs to lose, I think. Or Miami needs Miami to lose. Miami needs to lose. It wouldn't have yeah. to be Buffalo. Yeah, so definitely Miami. I think, I think the Patriots win the division no matter what after this week. But I think they're going to win this game. Bill Belichick is such a good coach. He's not going to take what happened in Miami. I apologize for saying that word. Mm-hmm. And let that mull over. I guarantee you on that plane ride home, he's been talking to his team, and I guarantee you they're over it. They're ready. I mean, think about it. We're on to Cincinnati, right? Yeah, we're I, on I'm to sure, Pittsburgh. I'm sure the Patriots are going to come out and still win this game. The Steelers just don't play the Patriots well. They, The Patriots are the Steelers' kryptonite, and I think they're going to win and put the Steelers on a four-game losing streak. Okay, look. Mm-hmm. I'm about to sound like the most generic Patriots fan there is. Oh, God. And I'm we might ve- cut this out. I'm very sorry about this. We're trying to stay unbiased here, Michael. I'm just so charged up from the last game. The Steelers lost to the Raiders last week. They're on a three-game losing streak. Yet, ESPN's football power index gives them a 60% chance to beat New England. But you have to realize this because how poor New England plays on the road. That is, they are not good on the road. This is not the, a good team on the road. The Steelers just lost to a losing team. But Ben Roethlisberger has never won in Oakland. He's just not good in Oakland either. That's true. But going back to this game, you never want to make the Patriots the underdog. And that's just so cliche to say as a Patriots fan. But the Patriots, they, they know they fucked up. They know it. They are going to come back this week. And I think that they're going to make a statement game here in Pittsburgh. I'm going to take New England. Just, it, it, I, I feel like it's going to be like a 17-point margin of victory. I, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say the margin of victory, but I think the Patriots are going to win. I think, you know, we've spent a little too long on this game, Michael. So, we you have, know, we let yeah. you get your therapy session out. But I think it's time for us to crack down on Sunday night football this week. Yeah, well, we have... Just like the Patriots and the Steelers here, we have two playoff teams matching up. 
You have the Eagles traveling to LA to play the Rams. This game was going to be very, very exciting, but now it's kind of left a lot of Philly fans scratching their heads because Carson Wentz is out this game. He His season is now in jeopardy, but the Eagles need to win this game just to stay in the hunt. So it just begs the question that if Nick Foles can do it again and just lead the Eagles into the playoffs... I mean, the situation was a lot better last year for the Eagles, but it now it's now coming down to Nick Foles. Well, to we bring don't the know Eagles for sure. But I will say, I mean, the Eagles versus Rams last year was the game that Carson Wentz originally tore his ACL and granted he doesn't have an ACL injury this year, but he's injured. So it begs the question on you know, who's going to start this game? Are they going to start Carson Wentz? Are they going to start Nick Foles? They could start Carson Wentz just because of the narrative of Wentz versus Goff because obviously the NFL is a business and it's going to be a lot more exciting to watch Sunday Night Football, the number one pick versus the number two pick versus Sunday Night Football, Jared Goff versus Nick Foles. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think the Rams still win this game, especially after they lost to the Bears. You know, this Rams team is not going to lose two in a row, and I don't think they're going to lose it to the Eagles with that, an injured Eagles team. I think the the Rams put up a lot of points on this decimated Eagles defense and win. I agree, but at the same time, I think if the Eagles lose this game, their season probably looks about over. Yeah. They're they're just in it in the playoff race, but they got a win, and they failed to make the Cowboys choke last week. mm Mm-hmm. So things are looking a lot harder, and especially without Carson Wentz, I think that just right now it's the odds are just stacked against the Eagles. Yeah, right I mean, now stacked odds, injured quarterback, you know, fighting for the sixth seed. The the Eagles have it tough, but I mean, to be completely honest, the Panthers are in the same boat. Stacked odds, injured quarterback, fighting for the sixth seed, and they're playing a good playoff. And team. they're playing a good, not even that, but they're playing another team with a first round bye, and they're playing the Saints. This is actually super interesting. I was telling Michael before, for some reason, they set up this so the Saints and Panthers play each other twice in a 13-day span. That's crazy. Like, how poor of NFL scheduling can that be? They literally have to play each other twice in 13 days. That's so boring and so, like, I don't know. They couldn't have had them play earlier in the season or something like that. Well, around the end of the season, it's where I think you kind of see it every year. They just kind of throw in like a divisional matchup right at the end, and then they're like, "Oh wait, they these guys play each other like twice in the last like three weeks." Yeah, it's it's really weird. It'll and, be, but it happens more often than you think. Yeah, like I like I said, Cam Newton is still nursing an injury, that so they're gonna have to rely on Christian McCaffrey a lot. But I think the problem that the Panthers are facing is the Saints actually, which I was surprised when I found this out, have the number one rushing defense in the league. They only allow about 70 yards per game. And Christian McCaffrey was already held to only 101 last week against the Browns, who have a decent run defense, but nowhere near as good as the Saints. And the Saints, obviously, they know they need to win this game to keep the number one team in the playoffs. The Panthers have lost five straight. They're just slipping further and further into nothingness this season, into oblivion. I think if the Saints lose if the Saints lose this game, it'll be a complete upset. But on the contrary, I think if the Panthers lose this game, you have to start thinking about firing Ron Rivera. Yeah. To I mean to lose five straight like this, where the Panthers are sitting at six and two, and everyone thought that they were in contention for a first round bye and another superpower team, and now they're firing assistant coaches. They're like losing by decent margins against teams. They're keeping other teams' playoff hopes alive. I don't see the Panthers winning this game against the hot Saints. 
and I think it's tough for them that they have to play the Saints team twice out of their last three weeks. Yeah, this is going to be another example of a probably a team getting knocked out of the playoff race. I feel like the Saints are just going to deliver that final blow to the Panthers like the Rams are probably going to do to the Eagles. Mm. But um, that really concludes our um, Week 15 preview. And after all that yelling about the Patriots, I'm, I'm getting a little hungry, Cage. I'm, I am I am too. I'm in the mood for some cookies, but some specific cookies this week. You're getting some specific. I'm getting this specific. Week? I want some Stefan Gilmore cookies. Stefan, oh, Stephon of course he Gilmore. keeps a Patriots. I'm game. keeping it Patriots because that's how fired up I am about this team right now. I want Stefan Gilmore to prove to me that he is a lockdown corner. He's the Pro Bowl guy that people have been hailing him as, mm. and his he. His, Jeez. No, he's getting all rattled up. Go yeah, right I'm ahead. getting all rattled up. There is no matchup to prove that to me than to go up against Antonio Brown. And I feel like he's going to do it well. He's going to do it well. You think he's so? He's going to do it well. All right. Well, you know, it's ironic because I guess I'm being biased too because my grandma's bacon in the kitchen and uh, she's making me a Baker Mayfield cookie right now because I'm uh, – my, my – Cookies of the week is my grandma was talking to Freddie Kitchens and, you know, she had Baker with her. She got the Baker in the kitchen and the, you know, cooking. And I think Baker is going to play really well against his Broncos defense. He's playing in prime time. Baker is given the spotlight. All eyes are going to be on him Saturday night. We know how he played in prime time against the Jets. Great. And that was his first game. He's had a lot more games underneath his belt. And he's playing against, you know, a weakened Broncos defense without Chris Harris Jr., who's one of their leaders on the defense. So it's going to open up a lot of possibilities because we know Baker loves to throw to a lot of different people. Without Chris Harris Jr. there, it's going to be tough. The Browns have only led up one sack in the past five games. And on top of that, Baker Mayfield is only getting pressured since Freddie Kitchen has been the offensive coordinator 11% of snaps. That's the best in the league. Only he's above Tom Brady, who I believe is in second. He's getting pressured 11% of snaps. So, and he's played good people. This is including against J.J. Watt and, you know, Jadavian Clowney. So it's going to be tough. We're going to have another good matchup against Bradley Chubb and Von Miller to see. But Baker's been playing really well. And I think my grandma kind of got the best recipe for this week with Baker Mayfield. I, I can see it. I, I respect those cookies. I'm we got we got some biased cookies in the oven this week, but yeah, you know Michael and I cookies. are feeling super hot against finally getting good cookies last week that our grandma's cooked up yeah. that we're ready to kind of spice it up even more and make some homemade cookies for the both of us. Yes. So I think that covers just about everything we wanted to talk about today. So we're gonna wrap up this episode here. Um Cage, would you like to plug our social media for us? Of course I would. I love to sell out Michael. If you enjoyed this week's episode, if you enjoyed my segues, if you enjoyed being Michael's therapist for the week, you should definitely give us a follow at first and number ten pod on Twitter. That's first and number ten pod. And then on Facebook, first and then the and symbol ten. Make sure to like us, share us on there. We've been appreciating all the support so far. We've had people come up to us, talking to us about this, family, friends, peers, coworkers, and it's been really enjoyable for us to do, and we want to keep doing it, and we want to keep getting more people to kind of follow us. We know we've been talking about being on Spotify and Apple Music soon. We're going to be coming. We've just, you know, had finals and stuff, and as we've said, that's really important, and kind of the foremost is our education. So as soon as that's done, we're definitely going to kind of be working on getting us on those other sites so you don't have to just listen to us on this as well as improving our social media we've kind of had a couple things under wraps on what we're going to do to kind of 
improve social media to get it more enticing and to kind of get more people to want to share and click. Yeah, so we're probably going to be ditching SoundCloud for Apple Music and Spotify eventually, but however, our, our, all of our episodes are going to be available on our website, first in 10, the number 10, sports.com. Um, everything's going to be there. We're, we're hoping to push out more content blog-wise soon. soon. Now that we're finishing up school and stuff, we'll yeah. definitely be able to work on In it In the more. coming weeks, it's all going to happen. Yeah. But um, thank you for listening to this episode, and uh, stay frosty. Stay frosty.